Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Remember when Dan Lanning was asked about, you know, the job at Oregon State and how special it was and how he's committed to the University of Oregon? I mean, he was resolute. We talk about outside noise a lot in our program. Um, I guess the reality here is, one, my name and uh, our program would never be in a topic of conversation for another school if, if we didn't have something here that everybody else wanted. And the reason we have something here... Uh, that everybody else wants, that's because of what our players, our coaches, the support that exists here at Oregon have created. I think I've been really, really clear here since day one. Uh, everything I want exists right here. I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance that I would be coaching somewhere else. Um, I've got unfinished business here. There's a lot that I want to accomplish uh, here at Oregon. My number one priority is being elite um, here at Oregon. And we have the resources, the tools, um, Anybody that can't understand why you would want to be here at this place doesn't understand exactly what exists here, right? Like what I've said before, with a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old, to be able to raise your uh, family in a community like this, to be able to compete for uh, championships and have the ability to get the resources you need. You know, a lot of coaches hang on to these moments and they don't do anything or don't say anything, one, because they don't want egg on their face when they decide to do something else, right? Two, because they're concerned about things that I'm not concerned about, like getting a better contract. Like I'm taken care of extremely well here at Oregon. I have the resources I need here at Oregon to be really, really successful. I'm not motivated by that. I'm motivated by winning. I'm motivated by being elite here. Um, and our players deserve my complete focus. Uh, our fans deserve the best uh, product on the field. So it's outside noise. It didn't matter before. It doesn't matter now. I'll continue to say it till I'm blue in the face. I want to be here at Oregon. Uh, that hasn't changed. That won't change. There's Dan Lanning. He says it won't change. Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio, is our guest. We got a lot to talk about. Berger, let's start with Lanning. Nick Saban's opening. What was your reaction when, when you heard uh, Nick Saban was out? Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm not that surprised. So what, Saban is 72. Um, I just had the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, on my show a few weeks ago. And it's never been tougher to coach in the big boy conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. You're playing tough teams every week. You've got uh, NIL. You've got the transfer portal. A bunch of guys from Alabama jumped in the portal after the Rose Bowl. I just don't know that Saban wanted to go through that anymore, and I'm sure the networks will line up to give him a big check like Tom Brady got, and it's probably a much easier life going forward than uh, trying to be a coach in the SEC. Is Alabama a better job than Oregon, given NIL driving so much of this? I think so. I think the SEC is the top conference in America. Um, I, if you gave me the SEC versus the field in the next 10 years for the college football champion, I'm taking the SEC every year. Um, so I think Alabama is the best job in college football and they've got incredible facilities. You know, the problem for getting Dan Lanning is I think his buyout is $20 million. So are you going to pay $20 million just to, you know, get him to your campus? and then have to pay him an incredible amount of money on top of that. That's what Alabama is going to have to ask themselves.
Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio. These things always go in threes. You see uh, Pete Carroll out in Seattle. I'm wondering about Bill Belichick. Is he the third domino? But let's uh, let's focus on Pete Carroll for a second. Jody Allen, Burt Cold. Uh, I I can't help but think about the parallels with the Trailblazers here, and and I'm wondering about you know heavy-handed ownership. What what is going on in Seattle? I just think you know. Look, I've said this before on your show. The only reason Jody Allen is in the position that she's in is because she was Paul Allen's sister. He had no other relatives to leave his estate to, and he didn't leave his estate to her. She's the trustee. And as I tweeted out today, I think he's rolling over in his grave. I don't think this is what Paul wanted. Um, I think Paul would have kept Pete Carroll. Um, I just don't think that she has any qualifications to make the decisions that she's making. And unless Pete came to her and said, you know, I don't want to be here anymore, I don't know why she would make this change. I listened to Pete's press conference today. He doesn't sound like he's done coaching. And if you've been around Pete Carroll like I have and I've had him on my show – He's the most youthful 73-year-old I've ever seen. And I would have kept him there for at least three or four more years, let him coach. Uh, He's the one who handpicked John Schneider and brought him in, so Schneider's still staying. Unless you tell me that they are convinced that Dan Quinn, who used to be there, is their guy, and they're going to miss out on him in this cycle, and that they have to have him, that's the only thing that would make sense. But frankly, I don't know that Jody and Bert are that smart. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that sentiment. Um, I just I'm wondering about Jody. She's now being referred to as the owner of the Seahawks. There's part of me that wants to insert the word trustee in there when I read that. Yeah, she's not the owner. She's the trustee. Paul Allen did not leave the Seahawks and the Blazers to his sister. He didn't say, "Hey, you're you know." It's not like um, where you see succession plans where. Uh, you know, Dr. Jerry Buss dies and he leaves the Lakers to Jeannie and the kids. That is not what happened here. He, you know, Jody is the trustee. And again, um, you know, I said this on these airwaves before. Burt Cold won the college roommate lottery by being Paul's roommate at Washington State. Jody won the genetic lottery by being related to Paul. That is the only qualifications that those two have to be in the position that they're in. And as someone who worked for the Blazers for a long time, I'm really disappointed to see the decisions that have been made. Jody hasn't made a statement or done an interview since Paul died. There's no vision that's being shared. It's it's like a mad scientist running these two franchises. Brian, I am watching this and trying to figure out, you know, is there a positive here? Is it a bigger risk for an NFL franchise or an NBA franchise when you see someone like Jody and not an owner who's vested kind of behind the scenes working the, uh, you know, the dials and orchestrating things? I think NFL. NFL is king. Um, you know, huge ratings. The franchise is worth a lot more money than an NBA franchise. And, you know, you look at this cycle and it's like the game of musical chairs. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is on the market. Pete Carroll's on the market. Belichick might be on the market. Mike Vrabel is on the market. You've got some really good offensive and defensive coordinators like Dan Quinn on the market. You've got to be really smart and you've got to act quickly in this cycle because if not, it's the game of musical chairs and you're left without a chair at the end. And again, I don't know 
that the Seahawks and Jody Allen and Burt Cold know what they're doing here. And again, if you listen to Pete Carroll's press conference today, he did not sound like a guy that's ready to ride off into the sunset. I think he's going to try and get another job in the NFL. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's such a uh, energetic guy, even for his age. You know, I, th- I still think he's got something left in the tank. What's the right kind of hire for the Seahawks as you look at, is, you know, is it a college coach like Jim Harbaugh, Kalen DeBoer? Is it someone else? Do you go to an NFL coach? What do you do if this, you're the Seahawks? I think it's Dan Quinn. I really do. Um, you know, the problem is you've got to feel real confident you're going to get him. The Cowboys are in the playoffs. You know, how soon can they get permission to speak with him? I think he's ready to jump in as a head coach. He's turned down jobs the last two years. You know, obviously he was with Legion of Doom. He's been a head coach with the Falcons. This is the perfect job for him. He knows the culture in Seattle. So I think he would be the guy. But if they miss out on him, you know, do you try and get in on Mike Vrabel? But Vrabel is also going to be targeted by the Patriots if they part ways with Belichick and by other teams like the Washington Commanders. There's seven openings right now. So you got to act quickly if you're going to get your person. Yeah, and I think – You've got the carousel turning in college football just when you thought the season was over, and now uh, the carousel turning in the NFL, so to speak. Um, Brian, i got to ask you, too, you know, we have Tiger Woods. You broke the news on Sunday, Nike and Tiger Woods ending that partnership. As you examine that, uh, what caused that, and what do you make of that 24-year run, uh, you know, with Nike and Tiger? Well, so 27 years, John, and – you know, one of the most uh, synonymous partnerships in all of sports. You know, you see Tiger and Nike, and they go hand-in-hand, hand, much like Michael Jordan and Nike have. And I think Tiger is one of the two most important athletes that Nike's ever had, along with Michael Jordan. But Nike clearly is getting out of the golf business. Um, they parted ways with Jason Day as well. Um you know, one of the things that a lot of people may not realize is it used to be that Nike was built on chasing the elite athlete and building around the athlete, marketing the athlete. And a few years ago, they changed from basketball, football, golf, tennis, running to men's, women's, and children. There's no more sports category. So they don't have as much emphasis on the elite athlete being the driving force behind selling product. They're more interested now in, you know, your teenager wants the latest pair of Nikes. They want to customize the colors. They want their name on them, and they want them to arrive at their doorstep the next day. So Nike has changed how they're doing business. I still would have kept Tiger. And frankly, John, one of the biggest reasons I would have kept Tiger is I want Charlie Woods. I think Charlie is going to be huge. And now that they've parted ways and gotten out of the golf business with Tiger, you know, you've probably lost out on Charlie as well. So um, I reported that I think Tiger's going to on running, which is where Roger Federer went in uh, 2018. He got 3% of the company for $300 million. Tiger probably gets a similar deal, but there will be other companies like TaylorMade um, and some other startups that I'm sure will aggressively pursue Tiger, but you know, as someone who's lived here for a long time and um, we're in the backyard of Nike, it was sad for me to see Tiger and Nike part ways. But I get it; it's business. Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio, with us. It is business, and you, you kind of look at the endorsement world, right? You got Tiger and Hello World and the campaign. You go back to Jordan's 
campaign as well. How have endorsement deals changed over the years as you examine them? I think the biggest difference is it used to be, you know, you were Jordan or Tiger or any athlete and you held up the McDonald's hamburger, the Nike shoes, and you got paid X for doing that spot. Now the athletes want equity in the company that they're working with. They want to be part owners of growing the business. And, you know, I think that's what's going to be important to Tiger in this next deal. Obviously, Jordan is the only athlete I know of at Nike who got equity on his line. He makes a reported $330 million a year himself for his deal with the Jordan brand. Um, Obviously, it didn't seem like Nike was going to go to that level with Tiger because they're not in the club and ball business, and they didn't think he would drive enough sales with uh, apparel. So, you know, now he's probably going to go to a company like On, like Federer did, and these athletes want equity in the companies. They're like, hey, if you're going to use my name, image, and likeness, I don't want to just be paid a flat fee for that. I want to be part of growing the business, and I want future revenues as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, you go back to that scene in that Nike Air Jordan movie where, you know, Dolores Jordan is saying to uh, Sonny Vaccaro and uh, and uh, and Phil Knight, you know, it's 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 just a shoe until my kid puts his foot into it. And, and you know, then it's an Air Jordan after that. Uh, Brian Berger with us, Sports Business Radio. Um, you know, we're watching a cycle of coaches, NFL NIL, kind of a generation of coaches cycle out. If Belichick does, in fact, go and he's the next, uh, you know, it's it's become a young man's game, so to speak. What do you make of that? And, you know, the qualities now that you see in a young head coach maybe being different than the process we used to see back in the day. So I'm going to use a great example of another coach that was in the news in the last 24 hours. Coach Spolstra, you know, he's from Portland. Uh, he's a friend. Coach Spo just got $120 million from the Miami Heat, largest contract in the history of North American sports for a coach. He does it the right way. He's created a culture there in Miami. He has good relationships with the players. He develops young players that are on the scrap heap that no one else wants. I think that's what you're looking for in a coach now, whether it's basketball, football, or anything else. You want someone who could build relationships. There's a lot of uh, you know, psychology that goes into coaching now, a lot of mental health that goes into coaching. It's so much more than just X's and O's, and it's building that bond, and you want the players to eventually, you know, run through the wall for you like they do for Coach Spo in Miami. So I think he's a great example of, you know, what a modern coach looks like. Yeah, and I think, too, it's hard to watch what's happening and not think about the money that's, that's driving it all. The overall health of the leagues, Berger, you're tuned into this with Sports Business Radio. Seems like Adam Silver's done some good things in the NBA. Of course, Roger Goodell going international, trying to double the number of games that they'll play overseas next year. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk in college athletics about what's next. Big 12's going into Mexico, trying, trying to create a bowl game. Uh, the overall health of the, eco, the sports ecosystem, where do you see the healthiest arms of this, of this ecosystem being? Well, NFL is going to continue to be king. You know, the thing that drives most of it, John, is the media rights money, right? So it's billions of dollars. You know, you look at the NBA right now. I just had Adam Silver on last month. And, you know, their media rights deal is in negotiation right now. And that's going to be really important for the future of their league, not only for exposure 
you know, not only in America, but globally, but how much money can they get? And right now, if you look at the market, you know, the NFL did their deal a few years ago. College football playoff is trying to do their deal right now. SEC just did a big deal. Fox did a big deal with the Big Ten. Like, there's only so much money to go around. So is it going to dry up at some point? And is there going to be a league that's left kind of going, wow, we really didn't get what we thought we were going to get from the media rights? That's the thing that drives most of it. Um, You know, live sports is still the number one draw on TV. 115 million people watched last year's Super Bowl. You're not going to find an audience like that on the planet for something else that's on TV. So that's why you see these media rights being what they are. But really, that's the driving factor for everyone. I also am kind of looking at, you know, is there a is there bandwidth limits here? Because you're watching college football try to be more like the NFL or literally it wants to be the NFL light. Um, and obviously the NFL now playing games, you know, going to creep into Saturday. Expanded playoff could creep into the NFL season. Do you see a ceiling here, Brian, where maybe, um, you know, the, the media rights revenue isn't there as they negotiate new deals or maybe the attention span of the consumer is challenged? What do you see as sort of the limitations as everybody's trying to capture new revenue and new eyeballs? I mean, there's definitely limitations, right? That's why we don't have the Pac-12 anymore. They didn't have media rights money. And, you know, there were other factors, as you know better than anyone, John. But, you know, if there had been a big media rights deal, the Pac-12 would probably still be in existence. But the money is going to dry up at some point. You know, the other big piece of the pie when you're looking at revenues for these leagues and the teams is sports gambling. There's about 30 states right now in the U.S. that have legal sports gambling. It's a big reason the Dallas Mavericks just sold. They think that sports gambling is going to come to Texas. It's going to be legalized. They're going to be able to build, you know, a casino in downtown Dallas. So the gambling is also going to drive a lot of this. And who can get the gambling money? Um, So those are the two big things, gambling money and sports media rights. But there's only so much of it to go around. So it is going to be interesting to see who gets it and who doesn't. Yeah, and I kind of look at, you know, the NBA, Mark Cuban's getting out of the game. Do you make sense of Cuban getting out? He must know something that we don't know, either that gambling is going to be legalized in Texas soon and he can maximize his value and still, you know, retain uh, basketball operations control. But, you know, there's something there that we don't know yet as to why he did this. Um, You know, I don't buy that it's because he's running for a political office or something. But, you know, John, that's why some of these people are really smart. They they see the tea leaves or they see around corners before others do, and they get out at the appropriate time. And, you know, I think Nick Saban is getting out at the appropriate time. Mark Cuban probably getting out at the appropriate time. You know, we'll see what Bill Belichick decides to do, but – you know, they have lots of information that we don't have access to in order to make informed decisions. All right. The uh, the the hires that are open, you know, you've got the Seahawks looking for a coach. you got Alabama looking for a coach. Which one of those two is more intriguing to you from a media standpoint as you're kind of watching uh, this unfold? Wow. That's a hard one. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, that we're buried up in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle's certainly in that category. So I might lean Alabama 
And, and I think with the new SEC deal with ESPN and the increased exposure for the SEC, and like I said earlier, I think Alabama is the top job in college football. Um, I'll throw another name out there, and I don't think his buyout's nearly as big as some of the other coaches, but, you know, Lane Kiffin was there, and he's at Ole Miss, and he knows the culture at Alabama, and, boy, has he done a good job uh, wherever he's going for the most part. I know, you know, he, he had some maturity issues earlier in his career, but he's a darn good coach, and, you know, he's someone that I would talk to if I was Alabama as well. There you go. Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio. You can check him out on social media as well, at SB Radio on Twitter. Brian Berger, thank you for joining us, man. Good stuff. Thanks, John. Always enjoy our conversations. Have a great day. There he goes, Brian Berger. Coming up, our big splash at 4 o'clock. You're going to want to be here. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton joining us. From we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.